What a glorious day when the angel announced the birth of the Saviour of men. When the shepherds heard, their hearts were stirred, as with haste they went to Bethlehem. There in a crib the good shepherd lay. They knew not they were really his sheep. They bowed down to the baby, adored, worshipped and praised. In their hearts this day's glory would keep. From a baby to boyhood they saw how he grew. They were amazed as they realised how much he knew. For the questions a priest asked, he answered them fast, and asked them some difficult questions too. From the temple he returned to his humble home, not a palace or to a royal throne, but to Nazareth, where Joseph was carpenter by trade. Could the lad truly be he by whom all things were made? Leaving Nazareth, Jesus started his mission, preaching God's kingdom surely has come. He chose twelve disciples to follow him, to leave all they had and their home. Healing the lepers, sick, blind and dumb, raising them from a raising a dead daughter, a friend, a widow's son, himself to be murdered. The crucified one was raised from the dead, for this was God's Son. Having purchased his church by his blood on the cross, we are his bride at a terrible cost. He'll present us with joy to his Father above. What a glorious salvation! What amazing love! When Jesus returns, for his glorious bride to take us to heaven, his eternal home, to not be be the bride who attracts the eyes, but Jesus, the Lamb on the throne. The New Year, standing on the threshold of another year. Are you filled with peace and hope or restlessness and fear? Will you have the Saviour with you as you step outside the door, leaving the year now finished and starting yet one more? The world is in an awful mess as wickedness abounds, but those who have the Saviour will find his love surrounds the year ahead is new and clean at least just as at the start Jesus wants to bless you with a new clean heart not for just another year but through all your days for he knows all about you your sins your thoughts your ways he also knows your worries loneliness and grief and longs to take them from you and replace them with belief. If you repent, confess your sin and have faith in his name, you will know the truth of Christmas, the reason that he came. Cleansed by his blood, you will face the year with peace and life anew. His presence will be with you 
in everything you do. New heart, new life, new purpose, new song, new hope, new, new year. His perfect love will fill your heart and cast out every fear. A new creation he will make, new heavens and new earth. Oh, praise the Lord for all his love and giving us new birth. I've just been asked if I would pray for you little ones before you go to Sunday school. Is that all right? Lord Jesus, as we just bow in your presence, we do ask your blessing on these little ones. Lord, may they learn things that they will be able to remember through their life that will draw them closer to you and fill them with your love. Lord, bless them and keep them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. Okay. Well, it's um, somewhat a tradition, in case you hadn't noticed, at this time of the year, to look back over past events and to look forward and consider what the future uh, may bring, consider what if, uh, what if any aspirations and plans we may have. Well, I'm not going to tell you about any aspirations and plans that we may have as a fellowship. I'll leave Tom to do that on another occasion. <laughs> we usually look at things at short term um, and trust in the Lord to lead us on. But anyway, um, looking back over the past year uh, for the fellowship, I think it would be fair to say that our main aim was to build up the body, to build up uh, Jesus' body, the family of the church. And we've sought to do this um, by encouraging uh, members of the family here to a deeper relationship and commitment to Jesus and to each other. Having a deeper commitment to Jesus involves seeking his will for our lives, um, as individuals and as corporately. And being more committed to each other can be seen by, among other things, not everything, but by, among other things, our desire to participate in group activities. Um, remember the words from the writer to the Hebrews. He says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And things get worse every day, don't they? We know that. So the day is approaching. We're always on the approach road to the end of time. Anyway, in reality, this probably means giving up some of the time that we would normally have spent on selfish or preferred activities. We need to do church. I think Tom has mentioned doing church. Getting involved in offering our services according to our abilities. Loving our brothers and sisters in deed, not just word. And praying for their needs. This, of course, comes next to loving the Lord. And loving the Lord, in turn, means spending more time in his word. We've heard that once before today already. And being obedient to his commands. Now, I'd just like to look back briefly 
Um, when we think of people's needs, as a fellowship, we've certainly had our share this year, I think you'll agree. And during the year, probably all of us at one time or another have asked for prayer support. And I believe the fellowship has responded faithfully. We must remember to give thanks to God for the wonderful answers that we've seen to our prayers and petitions. But thinking about the aim of building up the body, uh, you may ask, looking back, has it been successful? Have we achieved anything? Well, I'd like to say that any achievement has probably got nothing to do with us, but is wholly attributable to God's grace and mercy, and we must give him all the glory. But when we look at the um, strength and commitment of the ladies' prayer group and fellowship group meetings, for example, quite frankly, I think it leaves the men at the starting gate. Having said that, uh, the men are now meeting for prayer once a month, in addition to having their fellowship breakfast every two or three months. We continue to give thanks for the home groups, which I think everybody enjoys, and uh, we pray that they will continue in their strength. We give thanks for the Tuesday Truth Seeker meetings, and um, think of the people that have taught us in those meetings as well. Uh, when we think of praying for each other, either individually or corporately, I think this builds up the body as well. And um, three weeks ago, you may remember that Alan stood here, Alan Weston stood here and shared with us um, all that Ro um, he and Ronell had gone through and felt that the prayers and uh, support of the fellowship had really helped them through a very difficult time. I don't know about yourselves, but I've felt um, privileged myself in being a part of that prayer support. Um, it seems to have drawn me closer uh, to other people, not necessarily praying corporately, but praying individually as well. Um, I think it draws us closer together. And I think God uses this to strengthen our faith and our love for each other. Um, strengthening the body also helps towards another aim, um, which has been fairly low-key for us, but that's reaching out to others with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And um, just briefly, uh, we can remember the uh, May Fair last year, or this year still, sorry, we're not into the new year yet, are we? Uh, this year, and I think everyone that attended was probably encouraged by that, and we're certainly looking forward, Mick, um, to get his plans ready for 2015. He's resigning, he said. I don't believe him. Um, just recently, Mick again was involved in the Pizza for Life with others, of course. And we, um, <laughs> we think that's a great opportunity for youth. We could do with a few more young people in this church, couldn't we? So that's a good thing. And um, last week, Mick must be the star of the show here. Mick was involved in giving out doggy bags, wasn't he, um, with Caroline, thank you Caroline as well, um, to the dog walk is a great idea, and that, um, the doggy bags included a tract, of course, and uh, some of them took uh, New Testaments as well, so that was good. Anyway, let's look forward to the new year, and um, before I do that, actually, let me just remind you of um, a few things that were said this morning, just very briefly. 
Now, we're going to look at a, a reading in a minute, and I think most of these things are covered in this reading, so just try to remember these things. Sue um, said that she felt helpless, but hey, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. Um, Joe rejoiced in the midst of her sufferings and her sadness. Ashok was effectively asking, I think, for perseverance in prayer. And Russell mentioned God's will versus our will. And um, Jackie said um, she really thinks we ought to surrender our lives to Jesus. Now, you try and bear those things in mind when we get to the reading from Colossians. But um, I'd first like to remind you of a few verses I brought in my last talk. And again, these, I think, have all come up today. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You don't need to return to this. It's just one verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are new creations. I spoke on uh, 1 John 3 last time, and verse 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. That's um, something that Sue mentioned. She's a child of God. Um, and John went on to say in verse 2 of that same chapter, When Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him. And um, I pointed out that it might be a good idea that we try to be more like him now. Um, there's no time like the present, is there? So thinking about the, head, the year ahead, I think this, from a spiritual point of view, our aim for the new year is really more of the same. In a nutshell, our aim should be to increase our knowledge of God. And um, this will all go to build up the body. Okay, so the suspense is over. Turn with me to Colossians 1. And we're going to look at verses 9 to 14. Colossians 1, 9 to 14. So, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, did not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins." Just think of that passage. How many things we've heard in this service this morning that you hear in that passage? It's amazing, isn't it? Anyway, we'll look at it in a bit more detail and see what increasing our knowledge of God means in practical terms and how this will help us to continue to build up the body of Christ. But let's look at, um, we'll just look at the passage in its context and the background to the letter uh, before we think of applying it to our own lives. So Paul wrote to the Colossians about AD 60 to 62 while he was a prisoner in Rome. And this letter was to be read to, um, also in the nearby church of Laodicea. Colossae was a town in Phrygia in the Roman province of Asia, which would be a part of modern-day Turkey. Col Colossae's population consisted of a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, 
as did also the composition of the church. And the church contained heretical elements of both Jewish legalism and pagan mysticism, including Gnostic beliefs. Paul had never been to the Colossi church, which was probably founded by Epaphras, and Epaphras had journeyed to Rome to see Paul concerning the heretical teaching which was threatening the church at Colossae, and this gave rise to Paul writing his letter. Now, although Paul must have felt that the threat to the church of false teaching was real, we can see from the thanksgivings in the letter from Paul that many Colossians were adhering to the truth of the gospel. So let's start with verse 9. As we go through the passage, um, remember that this is part of a prayer that Paul is making for the Colossians. So let's try and discern what God's word says to us for the new year. In the opening verses, verses 1 to 8 of the letter, Paul greets his readers and gives thanks to God for their faith and belief in the gospel. And in verse 9 writes that he will not cease to pray for the Colossians and that they may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and and spiritual understanding. The word to be filled in this verse means to be filled to the full or completely. And the word used for knowledge, both in verses 9 and 10, means understanding and insight, especially referring to spiritual truth. To be filled with the knowledge of God's will, then, suggests a deep and accurate understanding of how we should behave as Christians, with our whole being, our thoughts, our affections, our purposes, our plans, all guided by the Holy Spirit. At the end of verse 9, wisdom is the ability to recognise the principles of Scripture, and understanding is the ability to apply those principles to daily living. Moving on to verse 10, it says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. If then we know God's will for our lives, to fully please him and be fruitful, we need to be obedient to his commands. To walk worthy is frequently used in the New Testament to refer to daily conduct. Christians are to live consistent with what they believe, preach and teach. Forgive me, Lord, and help me, I pray. To walk worthy of the Lord could also be, could also be, the highest calling upon our lives. And this touches on what um, Sue said. Are we called to a life commensurate with what the Lord has done for us? Jesus gave up everything for our salvation. And if you um, remember Philippians 2, think on Philippians 2, 5 to 8. He emptied himself. So if we are to walk worthy of the Lord, and if that's the highest calling upon our lives, we certainly need to be surrendered to the Lord Jesus. Increasing in, in the knowledge of God, increasing here means growing. Growing in the knowledge of God expresses a further knowledge of or a greater participation with God. Remember James's verse um, 4 verse 8, when we desire to draw near God, he will draw near to us and God will have a more powerful influence on our lives. So how do we grow spiritually? That is in the knowledge of God. Here are some ideas and thoughts. A deeper love for God's word, 
This has already come out today. The psalmist says in Psalm 119.97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Can we say and mean that? I can't. I confess I can't. But it would be a good aim, wouldn't it? Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I don't know if you want to turn to this. Keep your finger in um, Colossians, though. But in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, this is um, a well-known scripture. You might know it by heart. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, man and woman, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So are we examining our behaviour in the light of scripture? Are we learning doctrine? Are we being reproved for our errors, being corrected? Are we being instructed in righteousness? The second thing that would help us grow is obedience to God's commands. And you might like to turn to 1 John 2. We're going to look at verses 3 to 5. 1 John 2, the first letter of John, chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. There's lots of scripture here, but I think I get the most encouragement out of scripture, as we just heard. It's there for our instruction. So 1 John 2, verses 3 to 5. Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. So a question for ourselves, is God's love perfected in us? Third thing that helps us grow is an expanding faith. Just one verse from Second Thessalonians, don't bother to turn to this very short verse, it's 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, if anyone wants to know. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. Now the Thessalonians had grown in their faith and showed it in their lives by the way they patiently endured hostilities and suffering from the enemies of Christ. And we can liken this to the suffering we've seen in our midst and the way our beloved brethren have trusted in the Lord and persevered. In this world we can expect further troubles and suffering ahead, so we need to remember how the Lord has ministered to and provided for us in the past. We must keep our faith in Jesus at all costs. And I was reminded here when I got to this point of, um, it's slightly out of context, but um, Peter's words when Jesus questioned the twelve after many disciples had deserted him, uh, you may wish to turn to it. I'm thinking of John 6, and it's 67 to 69. This is when Jesus was giving the difficult teaching about the body and the blood, and eating his flesh and the like. Jesus said, do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So whom shall we go? Richard read out the psalm. I lift my eyes to the hills. To whom can I turn? The psalmist also says, 
Do not put your trust in men. Do not put your trust in princes. So to whom can we go? And coming back to what Sue said, who greater than this could be on our side? Where is Sue? Oh, she's in um, Sunday school. Oh, what a shame. Never mind. Who greater could be on our side? Um, a fourth thing to help us grow is greater love for others. How do we um, develop our love for each other? Paul instructs the Philippian church, Philippians 2, 3 and 4, this is, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Okay, so that's growing, that's verse 10. Moving on to verse 11, this is back in Colossians now. Paul's prayer ends with a request for three great qualities, three or four, I've used it as three, and I'll explain in a minute, uh, for the Colossians, that they may be strengthened with all might, that they may be equipped with patience and long-suffering, and I've said we'd treat those as one because the words are very similar, actually, and I'll explain that um, in a little while. And thirdly, to be filled with joy. So firstly, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, calls to mind two passages from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The first passage also speaks about being filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, turn with me to Ephesians 3. We're going to look at verses 14 to 19. Ephesians 3, 14 to 19. And he's praying for the Ephesian leaders. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And the second passage, that's a um, fantastic prayer, isn't it? The second passage reminds us of who we need to be strong against. Ephesians 6, you know about the armour of God, etc. Ephesians six ten to 12, you're not far from it if you want to turn there. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And darkness has been mentioned in this service um, before now as well, darkness and light. Our second quality, patience and long-suffering. As I said, there are two um, different Greek words. Um, I've got them written down, but I won't even try to explain or pronounce them. But um, there are two different words, but both are sometimes translated as patience. So I went to um, last year's Christmas present from Tom, my Vines expository um, dictionary of New Testament words and um, I'd like to read what they say I think it, it really does make it clear 
listen carefully. If we take long-suffering first, it is the quality of self-restraint in the face of provocation which does not hastily retaliate or promptly punish. It is the opposite of anger and is associated with mercy and can be used in relation to God. So that's long-suffering. On the other hand, patience is the quality that does not surrender to circumstances or succumb under trial. It is the opposite of despondency and is associated with hope. The difference is it would not be applicable to God. You can't use that word um, as applying to God. But that's it. That's the uh, Vines Expository Dictionary of New Testament Greek words. The words, do you really want them? No, you don't do you? It's hupomony, is that right? And macrothumia. Those are the words you need to look up if you want to. Right. (laughs) Being nosy. Our third quality is joy. Christian joy is joy in any circumstances. Thanks, Joe, for that illustration. It's easy to be joyful when things go well. But a Christian's joy should be something that cannot be taken away from us. In John 15, Jesus um, says he is the true vine. And he says in verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So if we remain in the vine and abide in Jesus, love him and keep his commands, we will have joy. Guaranteed. Verses 12 to 14, um, back to Colossians. Paul calls the Colossians and all Christians to give thanks to our Father God. He then goes on to list the privileges and benefits bestowed upon us for which we are continually to give thanks. And these are amazing things. Firstly, God has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Only through God's grace and the finished work of Jesus is is it possible to be qualified. When we repent of our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, in other words, at the time of our conversion, then we we will be qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints. And sharing the inheritance is an allusion to the land of Canaan being divided up between the tribes of Israel. However, Paul reminds us that if we are children of God then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That's from Romans 8.17. Hebrews 1.2 says that Jesus has been appointed heir of all things. So, logically thinking, as co-heirs of Christ, we will have a share in all things, not just the land of Canaan, the kingdom of light. Light at the end of verse 12 is a synonym for God's kingdom. And uh, secondly, the second... um, Benefit, he's delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Verse 13, this is proof that God has qualified us for a share in the inheritance of the saints. Darkness in scripture can be ignorance, falsehood, sin and Satan's kingdom from which we are liberated and brought into the kingdom of the son whom the father loves. Those words are perhaps reminiscent of the words of the Um, the last words, the the words of the Father at Jesus' baptism and the transfiguration of Jesus, the son that he loved. The kingdom of the son in the context here is present reality 
and is the sovereign rule of the Lord Jesus over human hearts. Third benefit, verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. By our union with Christ, we have the benefits of redemption and forgiveness of sins. Jesus has paid the price or the ransom, setting us free from slavery to sin, just as the slaves were set free from bondage. The same word is used there, setting us free from bondage. Through his blood is an expression used to signify the totality of the atoning work of Jesus. And forgiveness of sins means we are pardoned, our sins are removed, so that there are no longer barriers that separate us from God. So let's reiterate what we've um, been through here. Based on this passage from Colossians, our aim for the new year ahead might be to grow in the knowledge of God. This might involve spending more time studying God's word, being obedient to God's commands, stretching our faith in carrying out God's will, and increasing our love and concern for our brothers and sisters. We could also look to, good, to God for his strength and power, that we may be patient, long-suffering, and joyful on all occasions. Let's never forget to give thanks to God, remembering that because of the work of Jesus, we are new creations, we are children of God, and we are now living in the kingdom of light. Our aim now, our aim for now, next year, and thenceforth, should be the desire to be more like Jesus. As we increase in the knowledge of God, the more Christ-like we will become. So a few questions that we might ask ourselves as we look forward to the new year. Will we set ourselves a measurable target to spend more time in God's word? It's easy to say these things, isn't it? But unless we measure it or have something to measure it against, this usually means minutes, you know. Is it going to be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour? All day, as the psalmist says, all day he meditates upon God's word. Will we set ourselves a measurable target? Are we walking the talk? Are we walking worthy of the Lord? And are we truly submitted to God's will that his love can be seen in us and bring glory to his name? Now I'd like to um, close using a prayer or using a piece of scripture as a prayer and um, just putting us in place of you. If you want to follow it, it's 2 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1, verses 2 to 4. Let's use this as a prayer for ourselves. So we pray, grace and peace be multiplied to us in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen.